This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby's Nimer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Many of us have moments in the summer when we can be carefree, take a week or two off work, have a vacation, disconnect from what we do for most of the rest of the year. But many caregivers don't have this opportunity, which can lead to feelings of depression and frustration around constant routines and responsibilities. But there are ways to alleviate this stress, to get some help and relief. Joining us to discuss, Sam Schweisberg is a caregiver and board member of the Ontario Caregiver Coalition. Hi, Sam. Hi. And Pat Egan is a caregiver in Boulder, Colorado, who's now offering advice for the benefit of so many caregivers who often struggle silently and quietly. Welcome to you, Pat. Thank you. I'd like to start by first hearing your individual stories of caregiving. Pat, if you could go first, that would be great. Sure. Um, well, I'm uh, 59 years old. I live in Boulder, Colorado, and uh, I am the primary caregiver for my parents, aged 80 and 89, who live close by. Um, this is not a job that I signed up for. It's a job that uh, came to be because they moved close to where I live, and as a result, uh, started to need more help uh, aging in place at home. And then now, secondly, we're exploring the possibility of moving to an independent living slash assisted care type environment. And so I've learned a lot about the caregiving field from the standpoint of someone who's actually kind of backdoored into it. And what about you, Sam? Tell us your story. Sure. Well, uh, I'm a caregiver for my wife. Uh, shortly after we were married, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and it was really uh, bad. And so I was left uh, being a caregiver for her as well as our two young children at the time while trying to uh, work full-time to maintain a living for the whole family. So over the last 20 years, I've certainly uh, felt the uh, the pros and cons, shall we say, of being a caregiver. There are some pros, you know, it's very fulfilling, but, uh, but it's very, very taxing at times. How have you been able to get a break, Sam, um, just so you can have some time by yourself and, and disconnect and, and refresh? Uh, fortunately, I was able, um, when I was starting out dealing with all this, to, to hire uh, an in-house caregiver who came to us from, uh, uh, the Philippines, and he assisted with the children as well as my wife. So I, I had to take business trips too, which made it impossible uh, to have a job that required business travel. So I, there was no other way other than to hire somebody. And I was among the fortunate ones who could afford that to a point. It was a huge financial burden, but right. I really needed to make that, uh, ex- incur that expense so I could, A, work for a living because I had to do some business travel, and B, find some time for myself periodically. Yes. And Pat, how have you been able to do the same, or have you? Yes, I have. Uh, I think the primary way is uh, it's kind of that phrase, it takes a village. Uh, I have two sisters. Uh, one is an RN, and she lives in Minnesota. The other one uh, is a homemaker and lives in Alaska. So we are spread across the country, but we have 
worked out ways for them to stay involved uh, with what's going on with my parents. My stepfather has uh, uh, Parkinson's and it's progressing. And so we do updates to keep each other connected. And then we use, uh, I'm on the board here locally with uh, Area Agency on Aging, and we use some support groups that are here in Boulder County, Colorado, to help with that as well. Um, and we do have some uh, paid part-time caregivers that come in for house cleaning, making meals, things like that several days a week. And, and Patrick, I understand here from uh, your release that you and your husband are actually able to have a vacation or you've just had a vacation. <laughs> yes, how timely. We did. We just had a vacation. It's the first one in two years and it felt wonderful. Wow. Um, and, you know, the difference between now and, and before, uh, as I describe it, is it just takes so much more planning. Um, because, uh, and I'm sure Sam can relate, but when you're gone, when you're out of town, um, you're worried that things are going smoothly at home. What if an accident occurs? Do we have good backup plans, et cetera? And so I have seen, it is possible to take a break. And in fact, I think it's imperative that we do, but it also requires a lot of pre-planning in a way that it didn't used to. It's not as carefree, literally, as it was before. You've also, and this this is enticing, uh, you've implemented technology in a way that enhances the caregiver experience and provides relief as well. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, my background is actually in human resources, and I used to do a lot of uh, training for organizations on how employees and managers could work together remotely um, because increasingly companies have workers spread out through over you know very large distances and they need to find ways to connect. Well, I found that that same skill set helps with caregiving as well, particularly when we're trying to coordinate and keep people updated. So, uh, yes, I we actually write a blog, and in fact, we just wrote a book called caregivinghopeandhealth.com that talks about how can you set up family conference calls on a scheduled basis to make sure that everyone stays updated, who needs to get what information, and I think, frankly, the the short version is that we have each person plays a different role. One person is the finance person. Uh, one person uh, handles all the medical issues, et cetera. And the other one is available to just come and sit with my parents if need be, uh, if you know I'm out of town or if they're unavailable or we don't have paid caregivers that are available. So we're trying to look at technology to allow them to age in place longer using, you know, Alexa, using smart speakers, using Lyft and Uber, um, and supplementing that, of course, with what we can do in person. If you are a caregiver uh, and you, the stories that Patrick and Sam are sharing with us resonate for you and you have not been able to get that relief, Pick up the phone and give us a call here at Fight Back today because I'm sure that uh, one of these gentlemen can help you or at least provide suggestions on how you can get that relief. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And certainly your message can be one of hope as well. Maybe you're a caregiver who has figured out, like Patrick and Sam, ways to find that relief to be 
able to get away and disconnect and be a better caregiver as a result uh, of some of the things you've implemented in your life. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Sam, from the Ontario Canadian point of view, you're with the Ontario Caregiver Coalition. What can someone do who's in a caregiver situation, who is feeling lonely and isolated, maybe doesn't have siblings to spell off uh, some of the duties or close friends? What are some of the things this individual can do to get assistance? Yes, as an, old, as an only child, I can relate to the absence of siblings. It's really important that, that you, you reach out. There's a, new, there's a new caregiver organization that the government of Ontario is just setting up now, and it's going to provide uh, information as to how people can um, uh, find out about resources that are available. But by all means, in the meantime, you know, there are people at the CCACs and the LINs, and now, of course, that's being reformed right now. There, there are social workers you can reach out to, and this is government-funded. There are um, there are avenues for exploring how you can get extra help. There are organizations that can assist you, but you need to reach out to uh, the, the, the local LIN or the local CCAC, depending on the status of the reforms, and, and, and find out about these things. But you have to invest just a few minutes. It's hard to find those few minutes, I grant you, but you've got to find 10, 15 minutes to reach out, contact resources so that you can get the help that you need in terms of fighting even isolation, because a good part of the challenge is isolation. Unfortunately, one of the um, losses sick people suffer is they, at a younger age is they, they tend to lose friends because they're, they no longer have things in common. They're not skiing together anymore. They're not, uh, you know, going to the gym together or what have you. And, and this causes a loss of friendship. And so isolation is something of a, of a feature, unfortunately, of both caregiver and the one receiving care. And so it's important to reach out and, and, and get those resources. We're having a discussion about this today with Sam Schweisberg. He is a caregiver and board member of the Ontario Caregiver Coalition. And Patrick Egan, a caregiver in Boulder, Colorado, who is now offering advice for the benefit of many caregivers who are struggling silently, not sure who to turn to. Patrick, I want to start with you, and uh, we'll get to the phones here as well, our caregivers who want to share their stories. Uh, advice that you are offering for those who don't know where to turn. Um, there, you have a number of tips, and it would be good to go through them. Uh, one of them is, if you know somebody who's a caregiver, step up and provide a little bit of relief. Yes, I think the critical thing is self-care for the caregiver, because caregiving can be smothering. It can be all-inclusive, because those needs tend to get more severe, particularly if you're dealing with an illness over time. So I think you really need to have boundaries set up about you can't be everything to one person. And it's important to try to get a circle of support. And that can include other family members if we have them. Uh, I don't have kids either. And so I think about, uh, you know, who are my friends? Who are the people that I can call that would step in and take, you know, take me uh, to a visit if I need to be or could take my parents to the doctor if they need to go? So try to get a group of people that are kind of going through the same thing that can support you through it. And then I would also say that you need to, in the midst of caregiving, it sounds impossible, but you really need to take time out to to sleep, uh, to sleep properly. You need to take time out to exercise, get outside, do something that's not caregiving so that you can maintain, you know, basically your 
sanity in the midst of trying to provide care for the person that you're caring for. And a lot of times that means asking for help. Um, Sam mentioned some in Canada and the United States. We have the Area Agency on Aging, which is a, a state-run group in almost every state in the country that has a lot of good resources to tap into as well. Um, and AARP, which also has a very good website with information about caregiving um, and embracing carers, which I think you may be familiar with through um, EMD Serrano, is a program that encourages companies to treat family caregiving the same as they would for child care in that they recognize people need some time off, people might need flexible work schedules in order to provide care for the person that they're taking care of. And interestingly, you say that there are friends out there of caregivers who will offer their help and get roadblocks, as you say, back from the caregiver who doesn't want to be a burden, I guess, on other people in, in their life. Yeah, you have to get over that. And it's hard, but uh, it is because you're so used to being the everything for your other person. And I, you get what I call caregiving creep. So you start out by paying the bills and then all of a sudden you take them to the doctor and then all of a sudden you're dealing with medication management and it's easy to become overwhelmed. Um, under the best of intentions, it's easy to become overwhelmed. So to try to share that burden with other people, whether it be family members, loved ones, um, their neighbors, people in the community, I think really helps. And there increasingly is a recognition just given the numbers that uh you know, societies, areas need to step up and try to provide resources for caregivers uh, so that they can do this really largely unpaid work um, and and help the, the carry the person that they're caring for. Uh, Sam, you are a caregiver for your wife. You were telling us at the beginning of the segment, what is it that you like to hear from your, your friends and those who are close to you if they want to offer help? What is the best way to offer help to a caregiver? You know, um, the best way to do it is to simply suggest that uh, I'm your friend. You know, you, you've been there for me in the past, and I'm here for you if you need some extra support. And, and really, I find friends are, are generally forthcoming. I, I think Patrick really hit the nail on the head is when you start out as a caregiver, there's this tendency to think, oh, I'm really the only one who can do it. Uh, uh, I'll have to explain all kinds of things. Nobody knows my wife or my parents or whomever as well. And, and you do have to get over that because you're going to burn yourself out. Mm-hmm. And you've got to leave room to let other people help you. That's one of the biggest psychological blockages I had at the beginning. And take the time to explain. And people are willing to help if you, in fact, you know, invest the time in explaining. And you've got to let go of the fallacy that yeah, only you can do it. There really is that tendency to believe that for some. I'm not quite sure what the psychological reasoning is, but but that that's, that does happen, and you need to get over it. Let's go to Karen in Toronto. Karen, thanks for calling in to fight back today about caregiver stress. Um, are you able to share your story with us? Well, I've got something of the opposite. I'm a PSW, mm-hmm. and I applied for several jobs, which was no problem. Problem is that I am not smartphone savvy and when they heard that they said okay but that's part of the job description that so you that you have to I have a smartphone said, i'll get back to you mm-hmm. and i'll have to someone and they'd have no one at the office or someone to train you on this smartphone because this is this ideal thing now and i think that 
sort of people that, like, I'm 65, and people like that need to know that, you know, maybe that's why some of the reluctance is because they have to go buy a smartphone, they have to learn it, and it's not really, a, you know, it's kind of... Um, and, and, and well, it's a challenge. You know, it's a hurdle, right? To begin with, to yeah. learn this smartphone to get that job. Right. And and how are you feeling about it now? Are you more open to the idea of learning I'm about more technology? Open to it, but I'm still nervous. I have to find get a smartphone, and hopefully, you know, because I've always used a flip phone for my. Calling. Patrick, you're the technology expert here. Uh, how could you help Karen in her situation? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate her for making the attempt to learn how to use it because you're right. There's a lot of good uh, programs and resources out there, but a lot of them assume that you know people can go to a website, that people can manipulate a phone, a smartphone with email. Uh, I gave an example earlier of using a transportation service like Lyft or Uber. Um, that requires that you have a phone and that you be able to call them. So increasingly, there are programs out there that allow individuals to just call an 800 number, for example, a toll-free number, and then they will connect you to the service that you're looking for. Same with uh, many of the meal delivery services that are out there. Okay, 1-800 um, number. You can do it online as well. You know what? I, at the end of the segment here, Karen, when we come up on 1 o'clock, I'll make sure that both Sam and Patrick offer some information. So if you want to grab a pen and a paper, and uh, that might help you after we get off the air. I appreciate that. Okay. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. you the PSWs do amazing work, uh, and they are out there working very hard as well with not a lot of acknowledgement or relief. Uh, Patrick, in, in terms of, of getting through the summer, I mean, so mu- many of us love the summer, but uh, that's when it can become more difficult for caregivers because they see everybody's enjoying their summer, doing their thing, and they feel like they never get that break. Yes. Well, two things about that. One, I think uh, both for yourself and if you can, and not everyone can, but if you can with your care, do get outside and try to participate as best you can, uh, whether it be a fireworks show or just sitting outside and, and uh, you know, being in a different environment can just feel like a break from your normal routine. And if they can't get out at that time, they're having mobility issues or something, bring summer in. And we've done that before. My parents live in a townhouse that has, you know, a postage stamp size patio in the back. And we've had a picnic out there. Mm-hmm. So literally we do the whole thing outside. Um, and no, we're not going to a park or on a trip, but at least we're breaking the routine and we're, uh, my stepfather, Joe, and my mom are able to kind of anticipate and enjoy an event just like they used to do. It's just that we've had to uh, scale back what it is that we're celebrating and make it an event, make it something fun because, you know, your carrie gets tired of being in that situation as well. And this is a chance for them to try to return a little bit to, you know, their normal summer schedule and break. And, and there are little things you can do as well. I sort of think about going out on a front porch and reading to the person that you're take, taking care of. Uh, it provides both of you with sort of a break. You're able to get into the fresh air, enjoy the weather, and just kind of have a quiet moment um, where you get out of the routine a little bit. Exactly. 
Um, Sam, you were mentioning before about uh, friends and and how to best approach someone who's a caregiver uh, just to say, listen, you've been there for me. I want to be there for you. We are lifelong friends. If you didn't, if you're feeling a little bit reticent as either the caregiver or the person offering help, there's certainly things you can do uh, which don't involve the hands-on care, like you can go grocery shopping or uh, walk walk an animal, that kind of thing, to offer your assistance. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and on, the, on the subject of travel, I think there's a really good opportunity there. Uh, it, it's easy as a caregiver to, to, to make the mistake of making uh, very extensive plans without acknowledging that if you're a caregiver taking somebody on a trip, there's a lot of work and it can be very stressful navigating airports with a wheelchair, navigating, uh, you know, re- remote sites uh, with a wheelchair. If you haven't planned way out in advance, you need to know what you're getting into. You just can't go to any place in Europe you want with a wheelchair, right? Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting and grueling, really, while you're supposed to be having a vacation. Now, if you can go with a, a couple who are good friends and you go as, as, as a foursome and maybe... The, the burden kind of, because it is a bit of a burden too. It's stressful and challenging. It's fun, but there's the work element. If you can spread that out with some really good friends, that could go a long way in making a trip a, a lot more uh, enjoyable for everybody. Because if you're stressed on a trip, then your spouse or the person you're taking care of feels stressed too. No, so good, good you point. You really need to plan your travel really, really well and not leap into anything. I remember we went to Quebec City, and what I discovered was that pushing a wheelchair up the hills of Quebec City. The next day, I could hardly walk. My calves were so stupid. I believe it. I know those hills. You they are intense. <laughs> yes. Um, I just want to wrap up here before we get to some information to pass along to our listeners. Patrick, you say in your suggestions, teach your children the value of caring for others. I think that's a lovely place to leave this discussion. Absolutely. I think the more that you can bring in, as again, I call the circle of support, um, sometimes kids get used to doing that, uh, you know, for example, with their pet, and they learn what it's like to care for something other than themselves. And if you can develop those skills and those habits at a young age, they'll serve them well as, you know, they get older and they're, they're you know, it's the one group, if we're lucky, that we'll all be a part of is the, that we're all going to age and probably need help. So the better, the sooner we learn how to do it, the yes. better. Yes. And uh, information for our listeners about you, your book, uh, any organization you think might offer assistance. Uh, well, two things. One, um, Embracing Carers, uh, E-M-B-R-A-C-I-N-G, Carers, C-A-R-E-R-S dot com, is a website, again, that is basically ad- advocating for the kinds of things we've been talking about. How can you provide respite and support for people that provide care? And then, uh, as I also mentioned, I'm a co-author of a book called Caregiving, Hope and Help for Caregiving Families. It's available on Amazon. Um, and we also have, a, a, if you go to the, our website, uh, we also have a monthly newsletter with uh, kind of stories about what family caregivers are going through. And then each month we have a tech tip uh, section for seniors and for caregivers with them. Very good. And Sam, we just have 30 seconds here. If you could give us some information for people, uh, specifically in Ontario, uh, to get assistance when they need it. Well, you can try the Ontario Caregiver Coalition itself, and we can direct you to some sources as well. And as I said, there is the new Ontario uh, Caregiver um, Association that the province of Ontario has set up that's going to become operational uh, shortly and put up information on their website uh, to assist people. 
Uh, plus, uh, be sure you get uh, help. If, you have a, if, you're, if you're caring for somebody on your own, uh, contact your doctor to get a uh, referral or a, a prescription, so to speak, to get a PSW in there to help you. Uh, because there are waiting lists, and you have to enlist the, the, the system. You have to be very active. Happy okay. passive. You must be an active person. Thank you both, Sam Schweisberger and Patrick Egan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.